0: Shit, hell black. Episode who knows what. <laughs> Episode who knows what, but we here, live and direct, Oakland, California.
1: No, same place, never leaving.
0: It's a little bit sunny out, blue skies, <laughs> some clouds. <laughs> it's supposed to be summer, but this should be kind of cold, right? we don't even know why.
1: I mean, it's the Bay Area, it's typical Bay Area weather, right? Like you get the overcast in the morning and it burns off after two hours or so, and if you're lucky enough, you're in a place where you can change your attire to match the the current weather conditions because, you know, a lot of us leave the house in the morning in jackets. And, and then you're yeah. sweating by
0: 1230.
1: Come on. So it's nothing new. Same old Bay Area shit and same old hella black podcast, <laughs> Blake and DeLincey, but we got two very, very special guests with us. I'm excited to have them on. Um, one, we've already had on before, and they're consistently dropping gems, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, Ant. You might also know them as Anthony's on Twitter, Patreon, and wherever else you follow them at.
0: Maybe as y'all don't read too. I don't know. No. Uh,
2: what's <laughs> up,
1: Ant? How you doing?
2: No, I am. I'm. I'm here. I am here. It is Friday, and I'm happy the sun's out. That's what I can say. Shout out to you. Glad to have you on. For those that
1: aren't familiar with Ant, Ant is a uh, a writer and an organizer. I don't think they like to use that term anymore because they say that since they're not on the ground as much anymore, that they're not organizing, but they do a lot of great work via the internet. So, you know, they organize and they're getting their PhD in sociology at UCLA. Shout out to my nigga. Congrats on that.
0: And you officially a PhD candidate too now. Come on.
2: That's right. That's right. I am, I am two years to maybe three away from being Dr. Williams um no but way. I will still be I will still be Anthony I will still be y'all don't read I will still be Anthony's doctor y'all um, don't read <laughs> exactly exactly
0: are we gonna have to call you doctor from now on after that no we'll call no. you doctor probably the first few months no
2: no no we <laughs> are gonna be one of them niggas? <laughs> No, the doctor's gonna be reserved for like them students who are like really, really out of pocket. Like, you know what I mean? Like the doctor or the professor. Really, not even doctor. It's really professor because like we're like fake doctors. You know what I mean? We're doctors of philosophy. It's like, uh uh. Uh-uh. I'm a, Man, it's uh, a you know.
1: respectful to the work y'all put in? No,
2: no, no. no. Like, we, it's just like, it's, it's a trip that, that we get the same title as like medical doctors, right? Um, because it's just different. It's not that we're not putting in work. We are, but it's different, you know?
1: Well, shout out to you and congrats on everything. Looking forward to much more success. Our second guest is the wonderful uh, Melissa Marin. And she's an educator, a writer, a RJ practitioner, um, and does great work in the Bay Area. And if you want to read read some of their most recent work, you could buy the book Teaching Resistance um, to see some of their fabulous writing in there. Khadijah's writing is also in there too. Khadija means shameless
0: plug. And if you listen to Hell Black, <laughs> you've listened to Khadijah. And if you haven't caught up to that, catch up and go back. It's worth your time. How
3: you going, Melissa? I'm good. And everything Khadijah touches is gold. She, old. she really is a G. She really is a G. Um, of course, you know, Anthony, the first thing I got to say to you around being a doctor is that doctors of philosophy were, in fact, the first doctors. Um, so you're earn, you're earning that title and you're going to definitely deserve it. Um, But you know, that's, that's just me being contrarian. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate
2: it. That's just me being self deprecating. So you know, it's (laughs) sometimes I need a little contrarian energy.
3: I mean, don't do it. We're black, the world's got enough of that self deprecation slash deprecation for all of us. Um, I did want to say before we started, uh, just thank you for letting me be on here having me here. Um, and to clarify for for folks who are out there listening, um, that I'm here as a consultant, um, and really as a consultant and a restorative justice practitioner, uh, to just kind of talk and share some knowledge, um, and and gain some knowledge as well, because you know we're all perpetually learning. So um, I wanted to put that out there too before we begin. Was
1: deaf, um, and we brought Melissa on. Um, for this episode to address the situation that happened online on Twitter um, about five or so weeks ago. Um, There was a a statement that went out um, saying that Hella Black is essentially in collaboration with an abuser. um, Harboring an abuser. Harboring an abuser. And as a result of that, you know, a lot of folks are calling for accountability on our on our end, um, and so what ended, up, what ended up happening was after that statement went out, I ended up posting another statement, um, clarifying who exactly they were talking about, because um, I felt like that needed to happen, so that, you know, because Hella Black is a big community, right, from the many of, that could have been anybody, from the many of guests that we have on, to Blake and myself, to the people that edit our videos, um, that could have been a number of people, so it was important that we clarified who who it was, and as a result of that, my clar- through the clarification, uh, we ended up sharing how I had been a part of a process for at the time, I think it was like 11 months or so, dating back to last July where I was being, um, you know, trying to be held accountable for some harm that I had caused a former partner. Um, And so, you know, that had just turned into a, a real big debacle on the internet and a lot of stuff was being named practices and theories you know, as far as restorative justice, accountability, community callings, and um, a lot of yeah, a lot of stuff was just being called something that it was, and we needed to provide clarity. And number one, just to show that, you know, niggas are not above accountability. I think, you know, we had seen tweets, people saying, oh, like, hella black is always trying to hold other people accountable, how they, but now they're not trying to hold themselves accountable. And um, we want to show that not only are we about being held accountable, but we also wanna create the conditions for all of us to learn a little bit more about what exactly restorative justice is, what is accountability, um, and am I And what anything? does it mean to
0: just center some of the politic yeah. of it in this moment?
1: Yeah, uh, so we can start off with, before I read the statement uh, Aunt and Melissa, does that sound good to you or did I did I miss anything? That
3: sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds right.
1: All right, so here's a statement that was posted, I wanna say June 21st, something like that. Uh, And this is, yeah, this is the statement that was posted by the Survivors team. Um, There's an abuser in Hella Black. In solidarity with Black women, sex workers, and survivors of gendered violence, we are calling for accountability from Hella Black Podcast, which is affiliated with a person who has harmed a member of the community since December 2018. The host of Hella Black Podcasts have privately been sent a detailed letter outlining the harm, the demands to support the victim and accountability from the, from the abuser, and a plan of action involving the community to support Hella Black in being accountable. In the midst of an uprising, we have seen countless Black women experience direct violence uh, perpetuated by Black men. Intercommunal violence of any count will no longer be tolerated. If we seek to dismantle white supremacy and state-station violence, we must put equal effort into destroying misogyny war rape culture, and other systems that inform gender violence and create space for men to harm impunity, with impunity. As we work toward the abolition of police in prison, we recognize the need for harm reduction and restorative processes that center the victim and support the accountability of abusers. It has been 10 months since the abuser agreed to a transformative justice process, and there has been little to no movement since then to eradicate behaviors that are manipulative, emotionally abusive, violate consent, or generally align with a radical politic that aims to protect the most vulnerable a politic that hella black champions. We released this statement as a community to call in hella black podcast about the tone for the harm and to make the public aware that supporting hella black podcast means supporting an abuser. This statement is released by a collective and directed towards hella black podcast as a whole to keep the identity of the victim and abuser confidential. We ask that if the identities of the people involved become revealed, the people stand in solidarity with the victim and bypass engaging in harassment towards the abuser. This is a survivor-centered process with the goal of accountability on behalf of the abuser. Our demands we are calling on hella black podcast to suspend production for six months while the abuser engages in a private transformative process with the victim. We are calling the, we are calling on the community to support this accountability process by shifting support to other black radical podcasts that center the voices of black women and queer folks. We suggest how to survive the end of the world by Adrian Marie and Autumn Brown who to hair rap by I heart Erica and the sexually liberated, sexually liberated women by Yvonne Whitney. Note, we ask the white people to not share this statement or engage the call-in process. Instead, focus on shifting your political education on the podcast listed above. So that was the statement that went out on um, sometime in June. I know that was a lot. And then as a follow-up, like I said, since it was such a vague statement and I had to provide clarity, number one, to protect, again, the entire hella black community because of what was said uh, and to just, again, I think also in alignment with like trying to take accountability for my actions. I posted like, yo, I was the person who had been going through this process and here's the harm that I, that I caused just so there's not any confusion. Um, and so, um, yeah, as a result of my statement, one of the critiques was that I minimized the sexual assault cause sexual assault was named, uh, me and my former partner had had sex, while we were both under the influence, right? Which means neither one of us can consent. And so that was naming sexual assault and that was one of the critiques. Um, And it was also saying that, you know, not only did I, by clarifying what happened, uh, in a way I I minimized what I did. And um, while while that might not have been my intention, I understand the difference between intention and impact. And also I had to clarify things because a lot of, you know, lies are just being spread around the internet a lot of lies that could put the safety of especially around me and Blake right like you had a
0: lot you had accusations of human trafficking trafficking pimping money laundering, money laundering. <laughs> just like people saying it was killers or
1: you know so there was ramped, a lot of yeah there was a lot of beating women you know there were just a lot of accusations that were going around it was like well at this point now it's putting not only our you know physical safety on the line but damn near our freedom at this point with allegations of you know Pimping, right, and money trafficking, uh, uh, human trafficking, and money laundering. So, uh, I wrote the statement or whatever just to, just to provide clarity. Not, you know, I wanted to ask Melissa. We wanted to ask Melissa.
0: Did you want to read your statement, uh, or along? Okay. Uh, the,
1: both all the statements are available online, and we'll link them again when we post this episode on all the platforms. Uh, but yeah, my statement just com- gave a complete outline of what I was being called in for over the last. 10 months or so um Nancy.
2: go ahead Aunt. before um before you ask melissa um, just like quick for the the record you released a statement the survivors team was like delete this now yeah. um you took down the statement you rewrote the statement with like more attention to some of the details that they had talked about mm-hmm. um and then you put that up and that statement is still up so yeah. just so so there's clarity, clarity there was yeah, the first and it. then the second no you're good but just so it's out there um that's all
1: yeah, um, and I think just an apology to the to the listeners because this shit was tra- traumatic. I think not. I think I know for everybody involved. You know what I'm saying. So I, a lot of emotions come up when I speak about this shit. Just because, again, not just about the harm that I caused, but you know, niggas was put at risk by a lot of these 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 statements, accusations. But Melissa, our our, our question for you was, um I'm sorry, uh, do you think it was necessary for me to clarify? What harm I caused, and do you feel like I minimized it by doing so? And if I did, what? How could I have gone about it differently?
3: Well, first of all, that. Thank you again. Thank you for actually centering the that statement of um, of the survivor. I I think it's important. I think that you could have come out. Um, you could have come out and read your statement, um, and. And you didn't do that. And so I think it's important to name that. Um, uh, I believe that, you know, from this point into the future, until there is genuine, uh, genuine reconciliation, right. um, That you will have to be, you will, you will have to kind of reiterate, like what the harm, what your, what harm um, or harms you, committed right like like what did you do you'll you'll need to outline those things and not necessarily in a way that um not not in a defensive way but in an informative way um because you know all the people in your life have have a right to to this information um and i think you know my personal opinion is that after reading your statement um, and reading their statement, I, I didn't see necessarily a minimalization. Um, and I, I, and I also believe that it's a bit of a gray area. Um, I, I need to be really, really upfront and transparent and say that I, you know, have not heard from, uh, from the other person. And so I, you know, again, I, like, it's not my place to necessarily make a judgment. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have claimed this amended statement, um, As minimizing Um, and I do I do actually believe that it's important to clarify what harm was caused Um, and again this work is tricky it's it's ongoing and it's impossible for to not be activated around it Um, I'm not sure at this point in time that there could have been a better way to clarify um, I think that it was a good idea to get off of the internet and sort of let the let those pieces sit and be um, so often and anthony I don't know if you've ever experienced this too, but um, so often like we just kind of get caught in these reactionary loops uh, with very, very little time to sit, digest, and think um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know anthony you were you were involved involved in a lot of this like how 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 did this sit for you i'm curious
2: you know um all this was very very stressful um because i got approached back in in july you know um then we had our first session in october and from the beginning um i had talked about being hesitant you know um but i ultimately agreed i was hesitant because i had a previous relationship with valency we've known each other for years um that's the homie you know and then i was getting to know the survivor um but we weren't you know we didn't have the same type of relationship and um And I let them know that, like, I have experience doing this in my personal life, like, conflict mediation and, like, guided discussions and circles, but that I'm not trained in RJ or TJ. Um, And so it was wild because the statement itself, um, not only was it posted on a medium that is not about nuance, right? It was posted on Twitter. Um, So it's, like, it it just became, um, became a place where it was, like, well, fuck these niggas right and like mm-hmm. that that is an understandable first reaction particularly when you're talking about two cishet men right um, that's like a that that being your initial reaction is is it makes sense right the issue is that like we had had Delency myself and the survivor had had a process the whole time that was um, consensual and then on a sunday the sunday before the statement was released i find out that you know um, the survivor Text me and let me know that they're gonna release a statement. And because it was a survivor centered process, right, um, that we had like come up with together, I was like, bet, like, um, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, but because this is what you wanna do, I will move forward and I'll post a statement as well. I posted the statement, had like a little thread with some caveats. Um, and they, Dolincy and Blake, found out that the statement would be going out 30 minutes beforehand. Mm. Um, but they didn't actually see the statement themselves. As the statement listed, they've been sent a detailed, you know, list of the harms, like that's what they got in their email. They didn't get the statement. And so they had to go to Twitter, just like everyone else, you know, to see the statement that that had um, not their names, but had the platform, right, that had hella black. And so from the beginning, I was uncomfortable, but like, because I said, I'm gonna be by the survivor during this whole process, I, I went forward with it, right? And then I found some information out after that from the survivor and from the Lindsay um, that I can detail, but I don't think is super important um, for now, at least in the question you're asking me, Melissa. But I found that information out and I was like very uncomfortable because had I known that information, I may not have posted that statement. And I may have, because before I was like, well, it's clear that the survivor is going through a lot and like. If I were to suggest edits to the statement, like, whereas before the whole process was consensual, it was like, well, I think this, and what about this? This time it felt very much like, oh, the process has been shifted. Um, mm-hmm. I am no longer the the facilitator of this process. I'm just being looped in because the survivor was going to post a statement whether I also posted it or whether I gave my blessing or not. That was my feeling. So mm-hmm. it's it's um, it was very uncomfortable, the whole thing, like, because I, I found out on Sunday and then like, I think. Delincy and I even between Sunday and Tuesday had texted about something separate, you know, and I just like could not, you know, out of respect to the survivor, could not tell him that there's going to be this statement about him and Blake and the podcast. Um, and that put me in a very strange position and not in a sense of like, Oh, I have to hold Delincey accountable or all that. Cause I had been doing that. That was what the whole process was. This was like a whole new thing that dealt with a lack of consent and then I helped Delincey work on a statement and they were not happy with the statement and I helped them work on the second one and they were like, delete that one. And so eventually I just had to put out my own to, to say, to set the record straight because it like wasn't, it all of it was making me deeply uncomfortable. And at this mm-hmm. point, just for the record, like I'd spoken to the, after Delincey's second statement, um, first statement, Delincy, I don't know if you remember, after Delincy's first statement, I had a conversation um, with the team, right, including the survivor, and I won't detail the conversation, um, because I said I wouldn't, um, yeah. but but since then, we haven't had any contacts. Like, I sent them my statement um, when I posted it, or a little bit before I posted it, but they didn't even respond, right, and so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like a very strange thing for me to have been in this process, and to have been guiding it, right, with the two of them, um, the Lindsay and the survivor, and now, like, I'm just, like, out here, you know, a little confused. And so even doing the podcast now, I'm happy to like clarify, but I'm like, damn, like we're doing the podcast. They said not to do the podcast for six months. What does that mean? But mm-hmm. the reality is like, they did not, um, and they being the whole team, right? I don't want to put it all in the survivor. Um, they, as the team decided, like that was the demand is six months of the no podcast, but that was decided among them and, uh, and put onto DeLincey, right? Um, and Blake, uh, and that's like a, and the whole team, right? The people who edit, the people who come on, all of those things. So it's it's just been a very uncomfortable, stressful, anxiety-ridden process that mm-hmm. um, ultimately like I feel didn't need to become this. And I have an idea of like why it became this, you know? Um, but it, it's it's honestly sad because like, and I've said this to DeLincey privately, I don't feel like anybody's getting what they want at this point, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because the demand is not being met, because it actually wasn't through the process we had, or through uh, a transformative. <laughs> exactly, it wasn't through it wasn't through any process, right? And so, like that, that's not their demand's not being met. The survivors had to deal with some stuff in regards to all this. Delincy and Blake have had their safety threatened, um, which is not at all uh, the process I was leading—not a restorative or transformative justice process, and not an abolitionist process, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, it's it's just like no one. No one is in a good place now, um, and I feel like we were at least in an okay place when we were going through the process, all three of us. And now yeah. it's like th- it, there's not that. And then it even brought in Blake and other people, right? Because like by saying in Hella Black, there's mm-hmm. two hosts, right? And then there's a bigger team. And so, it, it, and and I can't speak to you know if the statement was only about Dillanzi or if it was about Dillanzi and other people. But what I can say, right, is that like what we knew, what Dillanzi myself. And um, the survivor knew is that like the had caused harm to the survivor. Right. Right. And so like that, that is what we can address. And it's just like, yeah, it it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. None of it feels good and not in a like, Oh, I want to be comfortable all the time. Like, it's not just an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. feeling it's like a, it's like a, this is not the outcome that I think anybody involved (laughs) wanted. Um, And I am, and I am deeply uncomfortable with all of it.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, also, thank you for sharing that. And I, like, I, I kind of can't imagine what that must feel like for you being, um, you know, being a person who is who is really wa- like trying to and wanting to support folks and also really, you know, believing in the abolitionist project. Um, and then just it sounds sort of like you were you were left out kind of in a lurch. Um. So I just wanted to name and acknowledge that. Um, when, so as I was, you know, hearing from folks, um, obviously, you know, I spoke with Delancy and Blake, um, some other folks. Um, something, and you know, I read through uh, the various tweets and statements, um, and something that that really keeps jumping out at me um, as as somebody who does practice restorative justice. Um, and, and transformative justice to a degree, right, is that there seemed to be um, a lack of a call to responsibility. And uh, I, it, it's disturbing to me because it, it, it's sort of a trend that I've been noticing um, just out, out in the world and, and, and a lot in leftist circles, a lot in organizing circles, and the trend sort of goes like this. It goes like, you know, person A causes person B harm um, in in some form, right? Um, Person B and their crew immediately call on person A and make demands. And they call those demands transformative justice. Um, And when there's confusion or there's sort of like a non-alignment with those demands um, from person A, then then the narrative becomes even bigger, right? The problem becomes bigger, the harm becomes bigger. Um, and I feel like what what really c- like could have could have occurred in this situation, again, being very transparent about the fact that I have not heard from, um, from the survivor, right? So I, I'm not speaking for them or for any for any survivors in this in this moment. Um, but what I feel like really could have could have shifted would be um you know a if the survivor was not feeling the initial accountability process um that 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 could have been addressed right um if the initial accountability process really really was um designed to to kind of like restore some balance which really that's like that that is what restorative justice is doing um, it's not, you know, you know, it's, it's not sending folks to the pokey. It's not punishing people. Um, it really is designed, um, or has at its core, I'll say, cause ain't no design, but has at its core the desire to restore balance. Um, and not always peace. You know, sometimes it's just uneasy. Like I did this, I know that I did this and I messed up in this way. And this is, this is ha- what I'm doing to, to make things right. Um, you know that's 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 essentially what we're what what we're calling on, and in this process, it sounds like there wasn't there wasn't necessarily that, um, and I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that to place blame or to, um, yeah, or you know, like to to degrade the process. But I, I think that sometimes we go forward, um, especially in this current era of uh, of Me Too. Um, and me too co-opted, um, and a sort of like muddying of, of all of these things. And then we, we start calling for accountability and then we end up sort of sounding like the very people that we say we're trying to transform away from or against, if that makes any sense.
1: I mean, shit, even with myself, you know, me and Aunt would talk throughout the process because the process has shifted a, a couple of times. Over mm-hmm. the course of the year, more recently, like a couple t- of times over the course of like the, that last week leading up to the statement, um, but like there were just, even myself as a man, I had conditioned myself to believe that like, you know, atonement for harm or abuse to that I caused means subjecting myself to to harm and abuse. Like even mm-hmm. someone who- Like who's, punishment. Punishment. You feel like in my mind, I thought restore, restoration meant me being punished maybe in the same ways that I, that I might've caused harm or maybe in a different way. And I think, you know, I had, I think so many of us, even in the time where abolition is being mainstream, it's like the talk of talk of the town right now. Right. But like a lot of us haven't been able to understand accountability and atonement outside of carceral methods. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it might not be prison. You know what I'm saying? It might not be death, but there is some carceral shit that we do in the name of restorative justice in the name of transformation.
3: Right. And I, you know, I, I, I would definitely say that uh, another thing that came up um, as I was sort of like listening and reading and, um, and taking in as many perspectives around this as possible. um, I, I definitely had some concerns about how, um, uh, I guess I would say how, how, how how this came to to the level that we're at right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely believe in always um, protecting a survivor's identity until that survivor is ready to come out and be like, this is who I am. And this is what happened to me. Right. Um, So I understand the need for sometimes for nuance. I understand the need for uh, a little bit of obfuscation. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think Mm -hmm. that, I mean, really what's alarming to me um, as a black person right? (laughs) In, in the United States, um, at this time with the, with the knowledge and the understanding that I have about how the government and how the police, um, as agents of the government, uh, constantly seek ways to, to undermine and sort of destroy our movements and ourselves. Um, I, I was nervous about what was like, like what, what this initial statement really was saying. Um, And, 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 and yeah, I think speaking to the, to the other issue around the carcerality um, and the desire for punishment there um, it's, it's like, it's, it's even beyond punishment at a certain point becomes about destruction. Um, But Mm -hmm. in with restorative justice and in transformative modes, like we're really asking what, what can we build? What can be what can be built? What can be um, what if anything can be salvaged? Um, how are how are we repairing relationships? Even if it's ne- even if DeLency, for example, in this in this mode never has any formal uh, relationship with the survivor again? How can DeLency repair relationships with the community at large, right? How like what can Delency do? To make things as right as possible. Any, any sort of restorative or transformative process really has to take this question into account and has to acknowledge that regardless of, of, of what we may wish or desire, we're all in community with each other, we're in relationship with each, with each other. Um, and, and, and really, that's bottom line, bare bones. That's if, if it's going to be a restorative process, if it's going to be, if it's hoping to be transformative it moves away from punishment and it starts at, it It starts at repairing harm.
0: Mm-hmm. So Melissa, you talked a little bit about some things that kind of made you nervous within the statement. Um, can you go into detail a little bit more about some of the things that made you nervous? You know, yeah, go ahead.
3: It's more, uh, it's more like the generalities that really, um, if read a certain way would indicate like, like y'all mentioned at the beginning that there are sex trafficking going on, um, which is serious. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, like that's serious as deep. Um, and that's an abuse all in, all in of itself, right? That there's a uh, possible money laundering going on. Um, also puts at risk, not only like your podcast, um, and your podcast team, but probably any other, any other community works that you're involved in. Um, Even, even as they're just like kind of accusations floating out in the ether, um, the way that, again, the way that the state clamps onto these things, like we'd be foolish to think in the, in 2020, that in the Bay area, you know, the home of Occupy, the home of, you know the Black Panthers the home of of multiple uprisings against police brutality against war, et cetera. We would be foolish to believe that there aren't government agents scanning your Twitter accounts scanning mm-hmm. scanning for anything right um, and we and we already know that it's easy to build cases and if if we're really, really, really serious about being abolitionists and we're really, really serious about not you know not involving agents of the state into our communities you know, inviting them into our communities, then we have to be really, really intentional about the language that we use publicly. It's not to say, you know, again, if y'all are doing X, Y, and Z thing, and I don't know about it, I'm going to be on the show and I'm, I'm a fucking fool. Right. But like, but like, if y'all are doing these things and we're serious about being abolitionists, then that means that we have to come up with transformative ways to call you all in.
1: And that's what my thing was. I'm like, well, shit, I was having a conversation with Blake and I'm like, yeah, I, probably we should talk about the, the spectrum of harm. And I'm like, okay, wow, the things that I did might have fell, might have fallen on like, I guess the not so egregious things on the, spe- on, the, on the spectrum of harm. But like, what if I did do, like, what if I did hit a woman? Like, damn, am I completely, if I did hit a woman two years ago, am I removed from like, from the space? Am I supposed to be punished this way? In a place that talks about always learning and and trying to unlearn and do better.
3: Well, and here's the thing, right? Like, like that, that, that's one of those slippery slope questions. Um, And, and it's, you know, it's something that folks who, who want to, um, who don't want to see the defunding of police, who don't want to see abolition um, bring up, right? They say, well, what are you going to do with the abuser? What are you going to do with the person who does X, Y, and Z? And again, if we're coming from a restorative framework, a restorative lens, this isn't about then what the community is gonna do to you because you did this to somebody else, right? This is about how are we, how are we as a community gonna be responsible by by, bringing, by calling you in, right? What are we gonna do to call you in? And, and that looks different in a lot of different contexts, which is why, excuse me, I'm being a little bit overarching, because cultural context also matters. Um, but again, if if we're being serious about the abolitionist perspective and we're, and we're understanding what that means, it means that, that yeah, you know what? You might've fucked up and you did X, Y, and Z. But it means that we are not gonna feed you to the wolves. Now, there's, there's a really, really important aspect to this, right? Because the responsibility isn't only on the community, but it's also on y'all, Must right? Be. Mm -hmm. If we're in this, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in this hypothetical world where you might, where you might have laid hands on somebody, right? This is hypothetical. I want to be very, very clear that I am using an example. Nobody ever take the soundbite and say that I said something different. (laughs) I like to be as explicit as I can, right? Mm -hmm. But in this hypothetical scenario where you hypothetically lay hands on somebody, if your community, all right, that's people who know you, that's people who, who trusts you or whose trust you might've just broken mm-hmm. your community calls you in and you refuse the call and you refuse to call again and again and again, then there's only so much a community can do. Most death, Right. Yeah. And, and then if you go back out into the world and you're doing that, that same shit over and over and over again, it's going to catch up to you in a different way.
1: Yeah.
3: Your community is not responsible for you not wanting to come in. Right. Yeah. But, and and I, and I think when it, when when I consider this particular uh, occurrence, right, off of the hypothetical and back into the, the real, what we what we've been talking about, um, I think that a big misstep here um, was either assuming that you were not willing to to be part of a community call in, or not actually. Or like the the calling itself not actually being rooted in the community.
1: That, yeah, I was confused. I'm like, well, you know, these people that y'all are blasting me to are not my community for one. But like, again, like me and Anna already said when it was happening, although both of, both of us were overcome with emotion, I'm like, this makes sense to me why somebody would go this route, especially if they feel like their needs aren't getting met. And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you, you throw me out to people who, you know, you have folks saying things like, oh, I couldn't wait for something to come out about them. It's like, well, is that a person mm-hmm. who's really going to hold me accountable? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. That's the one that's actually like, this person obviously has a disdain for me. So, are, right. are they, or not even just a disdain for me, before I came out and claimed what I did, it was people who were like, I couldn't wait for something to come out about Blake and DeLincey. And it's like, so these are the people who are supposed to call, who are supposed to hold me accountable. Um, right. And... Yeah, I mean, so what, what does account, accountability look like? I know you I mean, you kind of just hinted at it as far as like it's up to me to change my actions and to follow through on the things that I agree to, which mm. I think Ant can attest to as far as like our, our process prior to the statement being put out, but what what does accountability look like to you?
0: Who No, that's a Do
1: layered have- ass question, but <laughs> <laughs> Do we have some power at its core level at its
3: core? I mean, what is accountability? It's responsibility you know it it's it's legitimately saying i i i am i am the person to be held to account for this particular thing this particular instance if it needs to be an inanimate object i am responsible for this chair right it means i'm responsible for its safety i'm responsible for its security i'm responsible for making sure that its needs are met um and that you know this this is accountability at its core um I, you know, it's so interesting. I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about my kid lately and I was thinking about how, um, maybe a month, month and a half ago, uh, you know, she just turned 15. So like, she's a teenager and she, and she does teenager things and sometimes it's annoying, right? Um, yeah,
0: 15 is a rough time.
3: <laughs> I mean, we all remember dang, but, um, basically you know like we had a little back and forth and like in our house we we always come back we always have a conversation about what each one of us can could have done different or better no matter what right even in this moment i was like no she wrong (laughs) she did she was wrong but i still had to sit i had to sit i had to listen to her and i had to realize that i was accountable for part of how she was part of how she was feeling right um, That even though I definitely feel like she was wrong, there there's a way in which I have to I have to rec- recognize that I'm responsible for how I comport, how I how I bring myself, how I move through the world. Right. That re- that responsibility lends itself to accountability, and you know it it might sound a little obtuse, but that's that's really what that is. It's it's being responsible um, and taking responsibility. And again, unfortunately, I feel like this, um, uh, you know, the call to, to suspend the podcast, et cetera, and so forth. Like it didn't, it didn't feel like accountability. It didn't, it didn't read like accountability to me. It read like a demand, um, which from a from an rj perspective uh, a demand is rather authoritarian and it's kind of not what it's not really what we're going for um i think that that sometimes people confuse what what types of power um require demands um of them and and what what types of power or platforms right like y'all have a platform you have some you have some degree of power in the world um, require accountability and and responsibility. And I think those two things can't necessarily be easily conflated. But I'm also really curious about and, like about your your take on this. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 definitely know a few things. What like what what's your take <laughs> on responsibility, accountability, all of that? Well, so
2: the thing is, to to the first thing is like. I went to a conference in December of last year, Mumi, the making and unmaking and mass incarceration. And one thing that Miriam Kaba said that like really stuck with me is that accountability comes from itself. Like you can't force someone to be accountable. Right. And so like Melissa, the example you were just giving. You know your kid can't force you to like recognize that you are partially responsible for how they're feeling right like you, that has to come from you and and when I think about accountability and responsibility and how we can hold people accountable the the issue I had with like the statement um that i didn't I didn't name i I just named uh, to be transparent right I named to the survivor and the team that I was uncomfortable but not specifically with this this or that right. Um, one of the issues is that it, it, it said that there had been like little to no movement over the last like ten months, right, um, for the the behaviors. And what that is, and I can't remember if I put this in my statement, but it was a misdiagnosis, right? Because the process that we were doing, and I think this is why there was some, um, this is why there was a shift, like from our process to something that I was not a part of. Um, although this, you know, this could have been communicated. But I, again, I understand, like Delinte was saying, like. There's reasons it didn't get communicated to me or to Delincy, right? That are beyond us. Um, but the the issue is that Delinty was doing the things that he needed to do. Now that's not to say like I had to have some conversations with Delincy at one point, right? Like at separate points, because like from the beginning, there's like a reluctance to do this process, right? For a variety of reasons that Delincy could speak to, but essentially, right, like it's it's a mixture, I think. Um, and, and Delincy could correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a mixture of um, not being sure what he was entering and then also like a little bit of like being a ciset man and having some ego and um all these things right so like mm-hmm. it's a mixture of, of those things among others but um the reality is like D- D- delinci was able and willing to do this process because he trusted me right and he trusted that i'm not gonna like lead him down to some alley where he's gonna get metaphorically or uh literally jumped right like mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen and so it it was a uh that that line about it, him not participating right it's like yes there are times where i had to be like go and see i know this isn't exactly right but let's think about this right but he always like was like yeah bet i'll do it right and so to say that he didn't make any action toward you know like the process is is um is um a misnomer i guess i would say mm-hmm. um i don't want to call it a lie but 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 what i can say right is it, it talked about certain things like um, and it was saying he hadn't made action toward those. And, and that was not what that process was, right? And so I don't know Delincey and, and the survivors' private conversations, but I know in the, the conversations that I was facilitating, and this was like, so we would have a session, but we would also have, I would be texting or be on the phone with Valenci and I'd be texting or I'd be on the phone with the survivor in between the sessions often, right? And mm-hmm. so what we had been talking about was, um, you know, some of, some of the different things, but the behavior was not what we were holding Delincey accountable for and what he was holding himself for, right? And so if we're talking about um, emotional abuse or manipulation, which I believe was named, right? That was not what we had like we had named in the the process, right? And even when it goes to the, the sexual assault, we had not named it that. Um, and we had talked about if we wanted to name it that, but that was back in the first session, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I recognize that if someone has been sexually assaulted or um, that process, right, they may not always recognize it as that at first, right? And then when they do right. recognize it, it's going to be a completely different thing, right? So I understand a process needing to change and, and all of that. The mm-hmm. issue is like, it, it was, you know, when we think about accountability, like I I feel the whole time, Delincey was accountable in the ways we are holding him to be accountable, right? Delincey was doing the things that he needed to do Um, and then when he wasn't right, like one of the things, for example, um, is he was supposed to do a certain, certain actions, right. Um, after they had had a conversation and then, um, that was not long before the uprising started. And so Valency Loki fell off on that. Right. But then there Mm -hmm. were conversations that they had about that, right. That I was not a part of. And so, um, so you could say within that 10 month period, there was a month or there are three weeks where he was not doing what he was supposed to do, quote unquote, right? But they had had, they talked about that because we're not only in a pandemic, but we also like are, we're in global uprisings currently still. And at that time, specifically, they had just popped off and Delincy um, and Blake were on the ground doing doing work, right? And I was online doing work. And so it it's like a troubling thing because like it, it really comes down to, and it goes back to what I was saying about no one being happy. It comes down to like, Oh, the process was cool. Like, I'm, I'm feeling good. You know what I mean? All this. And then it was like, Oh no, this is not working anymore because I recognize this part about the sexual assault. And now, um, you know, there's an accountability process for something else. And so it's like the, the, and not even a process, right. It's an accountability. Um, uh, there's an idea of, of holding him accountable, but the question of who is the community because, the other thing that we haven't named explicitly so far is that, like, so the survivors team. One of the people on the survivors team, you know, has like a a, a strong following, right? Like a, a large following. Um, and so when she posted a statement, that brings in a whole different community. I post a statement that brings in my community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, musicians who are known globally, right? You know, um, they posted it, and and I'm not I'm not saying names. I'm I'm not not saying names to be shady. I'm just not saying names because it's not super relevant, right? Um, Like them posting or reposting a statement, that brings in a whole other community. And so when we're thinking about community accountability, it's like Delincey said, like that's not my community, right? And so Mm -hmm. what are are the terms of the community? And ultimately the, the last thing I'll say about this is that... From the beginning, we talked about having a podcast episode, actually, right, where um, the survivor would have input on the questions that I would be asking Delincy and me and Delincy and potentially someone else would be talking about, right? So the Mm -hmm. episode that we're doing right now does not have the input of the survivor or the survivor's team because, as you said, Melissa, you haven't heard from them. Last I heard, Blake and DeLincey hadn't heard from them, and I haven't heard from them, right? Right. Um, but we're doing an episode, and from the beginning, Delincy was willing to go public about the harms he had caused. And so it's this like it's a trippy thing that then it became. It went from like that the demand of of you know the demand of the six months podcast. But before it was like you know Delincy was going to take a six month unannounced six month Twitter hiatus. Afterwards, we were going to do some other stuff privately, and then there um, would likely be a public podcast episode about all of it. And so. Right. It's a, it's a trip that this is happening, but um, at this point without the survivor, because the survivor went in a different direction um, with their team, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's so, one of the reasons it's uncomfortable to talk about, right, is because like I don't want to put it on on just the survivor, because the survivor made choices that they made with the, the help and with the guidance of a team, right? Um, and and ultimately, like once that statement was released, I was not a part of that team anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's difficult because I'm not trying to villainize the survivor, um, and and I also want to acknowledge that the survivor made choices with their team that had an impact, and an impact that I mentioned could potentially be harming Dolince and Blake, right? Um, right? But that was not, you know, it, it's yeah, it's it's really it's really. Um, uh, uh, it's yeah, it's it's a bummer. <laughs> like that's the only word I like yeah. I have for it. <laughs> like it's it's a yeah. it's a big ass bummer. Like it just feels like a big ass sigh. Like not a sigh of relief, but just like a sigh. Like damn, like this is a mess, and it didn't have to be. Um, and it, there are multiple variables that led it to being that. But at the end of the day, it is a mess. Period.
3: Yeah, and I think you know. So as I as we're sitting here now, and like. I'm I'm listening to you and, and I'm thinking about what I know and, and possibly what I don't know. Um, I'm like, if I had had a crystal ball, <laughs> right. Or had even known y'all. Um, I mean, I would have recommended from jump and that you not be a facilitator that you be, you know, yeah. again, if, if we we're, if we were going to go, if we we're going to try to have a restorative process, um, I would have recommended you know an outside facilitator and and like you be you you be over here with the Lindsay and survivor also has survivors team because that's that's mm-hmm. another big piece of of a restorative process right um i've I, I explain this a lot um in my work and when i when i do consulting with other folks usually around education um i tell folks i don't believe in objectivity Um, Mm -hmm, I think, I think it's a white supremacist myth (laughs) designed to make uh, people feel like their experiences are not valid. Um, But a facilitator, like, like a skilled facilitator um, would be able to hear all of the experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And make agreements with everybody and then move forward and make adjustments as they needed to as they needed to happen. I can't tell you how many different circles I've run myself where halfway through, like, like shit looked like it was about to blow up, go totally off the rails. And, you know, I had to do some quick thinking, but it also meant taking time and pausing. Um, and, you know, if it's, if it's all on um, the, the person who caused harm's team, to facilitate a process and to hold, hold accountability. Um, then there's going to be a lot left to desire on, on behalf of the survivor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to start to feel a certain way. And so I would, I mean, I would say to anybody who's even listening to this now that if, if you are thinking about approaching a situation in terms of uh, restorative justice or transformative justice, that you find somebody who can do the work um who can do the work of holding it. And and also, you know, I, I'm thinking about like the accelerated time rate, time frame of all of these things. And I'm like, wow. You know, like I've I've like held circles where literally uh it takes months before we even where we before we even get together. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much behind the scenes work that needs to be done. There's so much talking to not just you know survivor and abuser but also to support system to this support system to that support team um to making sure that that when we're coming toward that ultimate goal right of repairing relationships and repairing harm that when we're answering what needs to be done to make things as right as they possibly can be um that we that we've fleshed out all of those things that we've answered all of those questions and I want to be re- really, really explicit again, and say that I am, I am in no way shape or form, blaming um, the person to whom harm was caused by Galency for any, for any like for any of this. Mm-hmm. I want to be really mm-hmm. clear that that's, that's not where I'm coming from. Um, it's just sort of my analysis of, of what I've seen and heard.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's important to name that like from the get-go when we agreed to do a, a victim survivor centered process that ain't named, like, yo, this is no longer RJ because RJ centers all harm that was caused. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think like when it came to objectivity, it wasn't really hard. I, I don't, I don't know if it, objectivity was even necessary because from the get go, we had agreed that like, I would be being brought to task, whatever words you want to use for stuff that I did. So like whenever it came to me not understanding, which was very, you know, like there might've been times where I had to like sit on it for a number of minutes and I was like, nah, actually that do sound a little out of pocket, you know what I'm saying? Like it was easy for Ant to, to check that. And I think that since from the get-go, since we had both agreed to doing survivor-centered shit and, and calling me in or out for stuff, it, was, it wasn't really that much back and forth on trying to figure things out. Like even the, you know, in that, in that last month when the process had changed the multitude of times, Like when they first, when Aunt first, um, when Aunt first introduced the the new process to me, right, which which was like, oh, you're gonna take a six month Twitter break, and I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, if if that's what she needs to feel better, I'm gonna do that because I believe in centering what I did and giving her what she needs, right. So it was like, although there were moments where I kind of felt like things weren't okay, I think you know, me and Aunt stayed very true to to centering harm that I caused and also centering the need of the person that was harmed. Um, but I think where the objectivity came into play when we start, when we, st- when they tried to shift to an RJ process or whatever was when Ant started feeling uncomfortable in the process. Right. And it might've been hard for them to fucking remove some of their feelings for me as a result of our friendship. But, you know, cause I think like the whole time we've been talking about where this thing has been going wrong. And I felt like, well, shit, there was a lot of times where I felt Ant did an amazing job of, Checking me on shit, you know, and making sure that I was following through on things. So while there were, you know, a lot of things that went wrong and a lot of things being called RJ that were, there needs to be very clear that nothing that happened in this shit was RJ, but there Mm -hmm. were things that I felt like I gained from the process in the midst of, you know, hella (laughs) abuse that I suffered and abuse that I might have even caused as a result of, you know, statements, whatever. But there was some shit that I did take away. Like it, it taught me to be super reflective in a way that I hadn't been before. And I recognize, like, I think, like all of us, when it comes to theory versus practice, you know, I realize that I'm not as close to some of the theories that I preach that I would I would like to be. And that's super, not only refreshing, but, um, you know, it just allows you to move through the world in a, in a way, different way, to to know that while you might not be as harmful as you once were, while you might have more understand, understanding of theories that you might not have had at a, at a certain time, you know, we say this all the time. We're always learning and unlearning. But I think at some point we, stopped, we start to act like we don't have to learn anymore. And so, like, this and life process, is always a
0: process of learning and, yeah, and this
1: shit showed me that, to be honest, especially a lot of conversations, post-sessions that me and Ant had. And I was like, damn, my nigga, I'm really not fucking. Like, I always say, like, oh, you know, all men are complicit to harm or, you know, all men have caused harm. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, well, you caused a lot more than you thought you did, you know? Like, I think we say that and sometimes knowing that we caused harm. But when I realized, like, oh, shit.
0: When you look at Joe. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you look at yourself in the mirror, like, all right, yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh-huh. shit that happened, but I did, and it's not about me, you know. what I'm saying, but I did gain some shit that I feel like is gonna change the way that I move through the world and allow me to better practice some of the shit that I preach.
2: Oh. What's deep? Yeah. And it's it's a trip, too, because we, Melissa, what you're saying, if you had a crystal ball, because from the beginning, Delincy and I had questions about it being me, right? Like, um, and I'm sure the survivor did, too. The survivor, I'm told, picked me, right? It was like, like, between the two of them, they're like, hey, let's go, Anthony. Um, nah, it was,
1: well, I want Ant to do it from them. It wasn't no Delincy <laughs> committed. Like, it was, they came straight, I want Ant to do it. And And
2: so, yeah, and so when we had our sessions, one of the things we said is, like, I I had, like, one of the ground rules is, like, they could check me, specifically the survivor, if I, it seemed like I was, like, leaning more toward Delincy, right? Because it wasn't an objective process. Um, Objectivity is bullshit, I agree. And this was absolutely not objective, because I had a deep friendship with Delincy. We organized together. There's like some, you know, when you organize with somebody, you go through a lot with them, right? Mm-hmm. You organize together, you know, and so like there's a deep friendship with Delincy. And, right, um, the, the thing is we were doing um, the, not the opposite, but we were doing a survivor centered process. So even as Delancy would tell me about some of the things that happened in the relationship, that felt like there were harms to him. I was like, well, if we want to do a separate process, we can, but for this process, we're not talking about that. And that happened. I would bring things
1: up. Like, you know, this happened and it made me feel this way. And so, but we just ignored it in the name of centering that survivor. Cause at the end of the day, if I was, you know, the sexual assault that we're talking about, I was a victim of that as well. Right. And like, which makes me a survivor. I know folks ain't going to want to hear that shit, but like, that's just what it is right so when we say like i'm also a survivor in a situation but we're ignoring what happened to me because we both we all three agreed to centered harm that i caused
2: right yeah and it's been a learning experience for sure because i'm i'm like damn like it, it just yeah there are things that like i that were like little things in the back of my head but i didn't listen to or there are things that i just didn't even catch right um and and i've learned a lot by going through it and it's just it's just sad that this is how like i think we all had to learn it you know but it we're at this point now
3: right you can't go back in in time right right and i do you know i think um i mean obviously so much so much harm has transpired um i know that we're at at a little bit of a time limit right here but um, oh, we're gonna go um, to about two thirty. oh okay yeah. i thought blake had a dip no that um, was me
1: said so I had to do but this is oh whoops better.
3: <laughs> um, okay, well, then, never mind, hold on then because because then <laughs> here's what I wanted to say there's there' are two things right when like yeah, like the the harm sort of mushroomed out um mm-hmm. and I do think you know again, Delency, like from reading your statement, I'm like, yeah, like homie, you broke some trust, and you know part of, part of the accountability here, and what I would say to any of any of your community that's listening right now, is like keep being keep being about your homie, be like, okay, so you know like don't brush this under the rug, like, oh well, because they made this absurd demand or whatever, blah 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 blah, like we don't gotta listen right mm-hmm. I think it's real, real important that the people who love you and who hold you um hold on to this they look at, they like reread your statement and they say, okay, so what, how are you going to do this different in the future? And how can I hold you accountable? And Hey, and, or I'm going to call you like, Oh, heard you dating somebody new. Did you have this conversation? Right? Like, like in terms of like that sort of personal accountability and responsibility, like you, you can't actually run away from it. Right. They, yeah. they're, they're, there's no, there's nowhere you could go now. It's just on the internet. And even if it wasn't on the internet, it should be in you.
1: Right? And, and that was one of the reasons why I was so frustrated that I had to make a statement was because I knew where some of the harms called. Like the thing is like people were saying you're minimizing the harm dog. If I right. thought what I did wasn't that serious, I would have never agreed to be taking place in something for a year. I don't know if y'all know how much RJ practitioners cost, but Melissa, not cheap.
3: So like, <laughs> 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 The amount,
1: from the amount of time anthony also got paid for their work right and yeah. so the amount of time under severely underpaid i think both of y'all are being severely underpaid but you know that's another conversation um <laughs> but like when you think about the amount of time that time money and even like from our state from the statement that shit took us five days to write and i pinged so many people to make sure that this shit was in line with the politics that i preach and that i wasn't you know, I knew more harm would be caused because what they're saying is if I post a statement, it's harm. But I'm like, all right, I'm at least try to reduce the amount, yeah, right? because mm-hmm. you can't
0: just with the vague yeah, right? nature, was, but, especially with those allegations. But the re- yeah. thing that I got
1: frustrated about was, like, I knew, I know we hang around men. I knew when they saw what I said, they was going to take this shit as a joke, right? And so, like, it's right. like, which is why I'm trying to show, like, I think all like I said in the statement, I think all harm is very serious no matter where it falls on the spectrum, especially in a world where we're talking about dismantling patriarchy, white supremacy, all this shit, right? Like everything has to be taken serious. This is politics, everything is serious. You know how comedians say, Oh, no one can take a joke because everybody some a joke is always a part of somebody's life. So I take everything very, very serious, right? But that's right. You know, I think where you say, Yeah, I want I want people to not take what I say lightly because I think, you know. Shit can have a snowball effect, a snowball effect. One minute I'm calling white men to be worried. The next minute I'm doing something way fucking harmful if I'm not being checked. You know what I'm saying? So That's right. I'm I think as as important as it is for our community to, you know, our real community to hold us accountable, I think it's important as, you know, me and B to be holding ourselves accountable. Like, you know, because we are very aware of the power that we as cishead men possess. And we also are very aware of like how people don't. Take the claims of sex workers of queer women of trans folks serious you know what I'm saying and we gotta we gotta show by our actions that we take this shit serious which is why we breaking bread with y'all too and really trying to get to the bottom of this shit and show like what can niggas do differently you know what I'm saying because I know we've seen how y'all know how the world work right like motherfuckers might move on to this shit move on from this mm-hmm. you know, in a month from now but now nah, we gonna bring it up again like this is why we read the statement of harm we gonna name what we what we did wrong and how can niggas be better? Because I don't care how small it is. I think all shit should be addressed.
0: Yeah, and I think it's trying to show people that like you can be accountable, even though you know what happened and you know how the the statement was. Like you still can be accountable. You know, and you can still center the politic and still grow and learn.
3: That's right. But so I have a I have a question, and you know, it's like you know, it's not to stir no pots or nothing, but um like you know we're focusing a lot on Delancey because you know like this this sort of begins and ends with you um but also like blake you're hella quiet in the background and you know as as we're talking about this and you know we're we've we've all made mention of of how this affects you know hello black and the hello black community right the, the reverberations thereof um but damn, blake like this affects you, yeah. And I'm wondering, um, I mean, you, you don't need to talk about about like how or what or why, but I'm wondering just straight up, like if Delency has addressed with you how his shit has has fallen onto you, and like if if there's been a way that y'all have been able to have a conversation about about that, right? Like, there's there's another way in which Delency's situation causes harm to you. And I just, you know, I'm curious to know if y'all have been able to talk about that or debrief that or.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about everything from as soon as it as soon as we found out, you know, it was like having those conversations immediately, you know, like what is, you know, because I was because of this process, I wasn't I wasn't involved in the process. Right. Cool. So I didn't know the extent and the details of exactly like what was going on with and um, Aunt Delinci and the survivors process. Right. So, when this all came, I was, you know, checking my email. I'm like, what is this? Because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, it was a lot, right? Um, yeah. So, just having to have that conversation. Um, but, yeah, I also knew, like, it's, it's hard for me to talk in, like, how do I say it? Like, not saying names because I know in uh-huh. t- detail was w- what is going on. So, if I'm pausing on words, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely when this whole process started over a year ago I was like this I had concerns. Uh-huh. You no, know, like I was just concerned cuz it didn't seem especially knowing everything and knowing knowing other things that was going on, right? But like I just I just had concerns about it. Right. Um and then seeing how it came out publicly, it's like yeah. <laughs> it just uh-huh. I'm not trying to minimize anything, That's what, but also like some of it to me kind of felt like relationship revenge. Yeah, I, I think mm. it's important
1: because I know you mentioned like you didn't know about the, the recent process. So when I first got, and this is just to clarify what, what Blake was saying. When I first got approached about the process a year ago, I showed Blake the text message that was sent to me and how I was asked to do it. And he was like, this don't feel restorative to me. It feel like some revenge. And in fact, the word exposed was was used in the text that was sent to me. And that was like something that like Caught him off guard. So, to be honest, you know, like Blake didn't want me to do this shit, but I felt like I, I needed to do it anyway. So, I didn't really keep him in a loop about the process that I was doing moving forward because I knew he felt the way about it from the get go. But I always, the conversations that me and Ant went, we just always talked up how anytime men feel uncomfortable, we just talked it up to patriarchy. Yeah. So, like that. Like, I <laughs> just, like when I told uh-huh. Blake that I also felt uncomfortable, we was just like, well, nigga, I just told him, like, man, I think it's patriarchy. And we just, and I just kept going on with it despite him telling me not to do this shit anyway. So that's and then what- I had
0: to check myself, too. I'm like, mm, maybe that is my own patriarchy. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, mm. for sure. You feel me? Like, like, as we were saying, you know, we speak about these different systems of oppression, but, like, we still have that shit in our head, too. Like, we still is always trying to learn, always trying to grow. But just because I learned about homophobia four years ago doesn't mean I still have some homophobic thoughts. Just because I learned about classes in five years ago doesn't mean I might not be classes. Just because I learned about ableism doesn't mean I might not have, you know, be ableist Um,
3: oh that's right
0: you know so it's like all these things is always going on so i'm like all right shoot i'm wrong (laughs) and you know that could have been just the patriarchy within my head um
3: and that might be a good place to to note, like okay this is where patriarchy is showing up for me and this so this is some somewhere that i need to grow right yeah um and i think what i was getting at um was more along the lines of I'm gonna try to be more like clear and direct. So Delancy, like this situation with Delancy and the harm that Delency caused inevitably reverberated onto you.
0: Yeah, I mean it ca- it, sorry, I mean,
3: well, what I was gonna say is I mean, this the statement aside, right? Yeah. Blake from Hella Black aside, right? You're you're Blake, you're you're a human, you got all kind of things. Because <laughs> humans got all kind of things, right? And your homie who you work with has this super messy process and it's splashing onto you. And I'm wondering, and both of both of you can answer this. I'm wondering if Delancey, um, has been able to acknowledge that to you. Right. Cause it, cause yeah.
0: and he definitely did.
3: Right. And, and yeah, so I just, you know, I, I wanted to kind of uplift that because, um, yes, there is a spectrum of harm. And yeah, um, it's, it's very likely that, you know, when Delancy came, came to you and was like, yo, they asked me to do this thing. And you were like, nah, it's very likely that you were speaking from like the patriarchal part of your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we're here now and you know, the call out was there's an abuser at hella black. Right. This has immediate repercussions for you, and so that's. I wanted. I wanted to make sure that I was also underscoring that because I didn't want to. Um, I do not want to downplay, the fact that there that you know, like harm has been done all around. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I wanted as as we've been talking and I've been thinking about this. I'm like, right, like, you know, there's a you too in this. Yeah, I mean, one of the
0: first, you know after a few hours of just talking about it and trying to just figure out everything that was going on, like one of the first things Dolencey said was like, he was sorry that this, that this bled over to me, you know, for lack of better words. Um, so that was like one of the first things. And then we just talked about like accountability, you know, cause immediately when we found out, we're like, okay, like if we, you know, if something was done that was wrong, we'll listen to the demand. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, it, Definitely, this is a very stressful time, especially you know how the accusations were and how it just turned into something that was completely different from the harm that um DeLincey caused right mm-hmm. so I think that that's that's where the like for me that was harmful for me, like being labeled this person <laughs> being labeled yeah. this human trafficker, being labeled a pimp, being labeled all these yeah just being labeled these things that not doing you know sex trafficking money laundering right being labeled all those things and like those could have like real life implications especially for niggas here in Oakland (laughs) like and now that was that was like the scare you feel me like I was legit like like OPD could come knock and kick down my door Uh you know so that was something that was to be honest it was scary (laughs) yeah
1: and that was probably the shit I felt you know uh, I felt a, a multitude of things pertaining to, like, not just Blake, but, you know, I think people see the hella black shit and be like, oh, these niggas got a platform. But, like, that's, to me, the smallest thing we do in terms of impact on people. Like, niggas be outside in their city building real community and providing resources for a number of communities, right? A, a number of folks that embody different identities. So it's like, and then we, we also, through this podcast and through the whatever avenues we have, we, we speak very, anti-capitalist anti-white anti-white supremacist anti-white supremacist stuff right so it's like we talked about this kind of off air melissa though but like people who claim they know their history you know what it means when you got a black radical organization in oakland that has been under the public under the public light for a, a multitude of reasons over the last two two months whether it's raising bail you know starting bail funds you know, providing houseless people in Oakland with over 500 pairs of shoes, whether it's Blake speaking in front of thousands of people right in front of the Berkeley Police Department, you know, us in the organizing work we're doing for Jalil Muntakeen, who's a political prisoner, right? Like, you know that there are ramifications for embodying these politics, not just in theory, but in practice. And, you know, when you start getting allegations of illegal activity and money laundering for a black radical organization, that can have real 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 consequences right so yeah, I just, and then
0: people saying like we was pimping to you know and that was the money we were using to feed people and money was using for the podcast like those are things wow. you know that you could really that could end I mean, just up.
1: Put, it just put niggas in
0: harm's way it, it could like, put you in the pan the police don't need any they more can of the sign excuse. off a fucking a warrant exactly. and it's like you know yeah. um niggas have dealt with surveillance before <laughs> yeah you know i mean and yeah. could attest to that like and that was four years ago you know, so like, yeah, it, goes these, goes <laughs> like it goes, to goes to back Berkeley, to Berkeley. It goes back to Berkeley. so it's
2: like, other organizing. It's wild. You know,
0: so it's like in current day, like niggas deal with that shit.
2: Like, yeah,
0: you know, with uh, with Jaleel, like he's one of the longest held political prisoners in mm-hmm. United States. The feds have always been after my family. So like that's that's why it was scary because I know I know where those those false allegations can take niggas. Like that can kill, mm-hmm. end up dead, incarcerated. Um so through all that, that was, you know,
1: and, and that's it was, what it was is. rough to deal with. And, and at the
0: same time, wanting to be responsible for harm, it, right. right in the midst of that. So
1: it, I don't think I had felt guilty until it got to this point. Like I hadn't felt guilty about anything that happened. Like I recognized what I did. I wanted to do better. I felt I wish I could have done things differently. But once I realized, like like Aunt said, right, I don't know how we got from our first session to this conversation we are having today. That's like where it's just like fuck, you know, and like the amounts of people that have been affected by this as a result of the shift that it took is just like, if the whole goal was accountability which clearly all of us want you know it's like Word. how do we get from Word. that to this to where you know i'm i'm worried about the safety of not only my comrades but of the community that i'm serving if you know one day mm-hmm. we out there serving it we people know where we at three days a week you know what i'm saying it's not people know where our house that people know what kind of cars we drive. They know what most of us look like, especially me and Blake, given our visibility. And so you go from, like, damn, how did this situation that I had where I thought I was trying to get things right come to this? And I don't think that's what people thought about. Like, people were just, like, when they were posting that statement, and I know it was all in the – and with, with good intentions for most people. Some of them, again, just, like they said, were waiting for shit to come out about me and Blake. But I know when people – Posted the statement. They had good intentions, but I, I think you know when you talk about the medium that was used. Right, Twitter is just such a a, uh-huh. make, a false, you know, a, a make believe world where people don't got to deal with too many repercussions after yeah, the things we that know they the, say.
0: We know the enemy on there too.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. So that was the worst part, and I had to like, yeah, you know, that was that's where I, I for sure felt bad about uh, how this shit affected not just Blake, but you know my my entire community
3: for yeah. sure. No and it's so critical and I I feel like it, th- there are bound to be so many takeaways and um you know I know folks are going to listen to this and they're going to feel all the ways um,
2: yeah.
3: and that's all right um you know part 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 of doing this work and part of part of like you know consulting on here and speaking about this at large is like recognizing that you know people people got feelings and they, and they got they got ways to express those but I, I really am hopeful that um, that one of the things that's that's really been named or, or, and are clarified here is that um, that when we're talking about accountability and responsibility, uh, we need to also be responsible. Um, we need to be responsible for for the ways in which um, anti-black racism shows up. Um, particularly particularly when we're calling people out in public for X, y, or Z. Right. Um, we
1: can't tell you some of the DMs we got from, from non Black folks, and it was like, oh shit, like y'all was now y'all being racist in the name of justice. <laughs>
0: like it's <laughs> a trip. Yeah, shit was really it's, wild. Like
3: it's a trip, and it's one of those things that 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 like I like I have a hard time like reconciling with that there are folks who are saying that they're abolitionists. They're they're talking about Black lives mattering. They're talking about they believe that Black people should have Black power um they're talking about all these things and then we're still also talking about punishing folks punishing black bodies and like i don't you know again i i don't i don't think that that there's any way that you that you just like get let off the hook and then magically delenty never deals with you know the shit that you did like that that just that's just not how it goes but i'm really really hopeful that people go like oh wait like what are the ramifications of what i'm about to do what, what and, and not just not just individually right but like for black for black folks writ large what does it mean that you get to be taken a task in a general nuanced way with very little context on the internet and that like you know some mm, possibly anonymous folks can just drop shit and run away yeah. Right. And, and, leave, and, and, and leave black people to kind of like clean up, clean up. Right. Um, like you, I just, I, you know, and this, this is less of, of my like professional hat, more of my personal hat. I don't believe that you could be an abolitionist and, and have anything but, but like super pro black <laughs> intentions in mind at all times. Cause Period. you know, like, and yeah, and punto, there. <laughs> like, I just because don't looking at these systems possible.
0: if we're looking at these systems, and if we're talking about abolishment, like, this system is rooted in anti-black racism. It's rooted in settler colonialism. So, like, you got to be black power, you feel me, to actually be an abolitionist.
3: All day. All day.
1: What what it like, Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: No, no, go ahead.
1: I mean... I don't know. I, don't, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, what are, what are, what are you thinking around folks that are going to say like delete this? They said don't record for six months. Like, can you, what is your response to that? And then also like, I mean, you, t- you kind of touched on demands in general, but like, how do we get to a place where, cause me and Blake said, like he mentioned earlier, yo, which is why we had, you know, Aunt reach out to the survivor team and say, you know, until we get an actual RJ process, we will continue to record. And Blake and I have mm-hmm. also named that, you know, after, if we, and they didn't respond to that, right? But, like, if we, from the moment we, the statement went up and we were kind of unsure about it, we were like, yo, if we go through a process, like, say if we went through something with Melissa and Melissa was like, y'all niggas don't need to record for six months, we would 1,000% do that. But, so, yeah, what's your response? People saying, you know, we, we need to delete this. We're not adhering to the demands. And then what's the overall thoughts around, like, how do you get to, you know, consensual, why is it important for RJ to have consensual you know, I guess agreements and next steps.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. So I think. Um, sorry, I just held on to the last one. Can you can you repeat the first question? Yeah, my bad.
1: <laughs> I, I took like the low, I took the block
3: to get to this point.
1: <laughs> but so people are going to say, delete this. They asked y'all not to record for six months. Ah, uh, yeah,
3: yeah, okay, yeah. Um, what I would say is that. Um, Hella Black Podcast, it, okay, and again, disclaimer, this is me with, with only the information that I have, right? Hella Black Podcast did not perpetrate the harm that was listed out in DeLency's statement. Um, I think that actually taking both Blake and DeLenci out of the equation for six months for X, Y, and Z period of time, actually makes it harder to keep Delencia accountable, and and actually negatively impacts Lake. And so I would I would say that unless uh, this is something that was like really broadly agreed upon um, by again like Delancy, survivor, and members of an accountability process or restorative process that 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 demand doesn't make sense it's not logical um it seems punitive to me and um as as a person who who fights bitterly against any type of punitive um punitive consequence i would say absolutely not that that it it doesn't make sense um if there is a way that it makes sense that the two teams want to like come together and discuss then that's one thing but that's not what that's not what we're looking at um and then uh, wait, can you repeat the second question? I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: the second question was like, why, why is an essential part of RJ the community agreeing to next steps and/or I know you don't like the word demand, so like, I guess next steps. Oh yeah. Why is it important um, the entire community to agree to that and not just one side being able to say this is what y'all need to do for atonement?
3: Right. Um, well, for one thing, you know, like restorative, like what we call restorative practices, restorative justice has its roots in indigenous processes the world over. Um, th- th- this is not contrary to like what people might study, something that just came out of criminal justice reform in the 1970s in America. This is like, this is super deep. This has always been about um, gathering your folks, calling your, calling your people in, and everybody who's been affected having a voice, right? And so, and, and, and really it's that simple like every single person who's been affected by whatever harm was done, that means the perpetrator. That means, you know, the survivors, you know, family, close ones, loved ones, all of those folks need to be involved in, in creating a space in which again, like relationships can be restored to to whatever balance they need to be restored to um, and to making things as right as possible. When one group of people is calling on another group of people to do something, you're, you're not working in concert, and that's not restorative, right? That, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is, that's not the process, that's not the principle. Um, doing, doing things to people, doing things for them, right? So like, let's say, you know, this, this, uh, this group of uh, people who support the survivor just decided to just, you know, like hack your Twitter account, that'd be doing something to you. Um, do, do, that, it's it's really just not in any way, shape, or form in the spirit of of a restorative or transformative process, and it's definitely not abolitionist, and it it's definitely not radical. I mean, in, unless you consider radical conservative conservatism a thing, no, but, some do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that'll be another conversation for another time, I'm sure. But when when again like when we are when we are demanding things of power right um, that's one thing but like y'all have a platform and i'm sorry but y'all don't have that much power that and 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 the power that you do have it's it's not transferable it's not, it's not necessarily something like like you can give it over Right. It might even make sense if some if like the survivor like rings you up tomorrow and says, you know what, I want to be in charge of your podcast for six, for six months. And for six months, we're going to talk about harm, accountability, patriarchy, misogyny, et cetera. Right. But yeah, just the blanket "nah" doesn't work and not have not having everybody involved in the decision making process. It's just not restorative. It's punitive. And it's okay if that's what it like. If your jam is at the end of the day, you're like, let's just not call it RJ, right? Don't call it that. Yeah. Don't not, don't yeah. don't call it it. Don't call it that. And don't call yourself an abolitionist if that's what you're trying to do. Right. Now, now, if if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh snap, I didn't realize, right? Then we make we make room for mistakes, right? We Most make best. room to repair and to and to be called back in. But. Yeah, I
2: I can leave it
1: there. I, I don't know y'all. What I'm thinking about is is Anthony right now. What they say, y'all don't read. I hope people listen. To this. <laughs> people to, I hope people listen to this. <laughs> it just I don't know. Like I learned so much from this pod, and like yeah. even the conversations that I've had with Melissa separately from this, and the the times I've got to talk to Blake and Aunt. Like I really, although I felt disrespected by the politics because I had so many niggas doing, saying abusive-ass shit to me, tweeting abusive-ass shit at me in the name of accountability and restoration, and I felt like politics is some bullshit. I would have damn near went to court for this shit as opposed to <laughs> at least in jail, I'm innocent until proven guilty.
0: <laughs> and you know what you're charged with.
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, this who, wait, nah, that ain't right. Don't tell people that. <laughs> no, I'm damn lie. I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna, but...
1: Um, this like i lost a lot of faith in this shit because there was so many people that i had looked at for abolitionist theory and for restorative practices and then when i seen them like doing shit right i mean i get it sometimes you get angry and you got and already named it you got two head niggas like i fucking get it which is why people were saying i couldn't wait for something to come out about them like i get it and i know the thing Like, i don't believe in misandry at all but i do know there is something to be said around like the disposability of of cishet niggas and Mm -hmm. rightfully so is the thing to say because we do cause a lot of harm. And I know the, the history of patriarchy uh, in this country and all that and yet and still, like, you know, I did lose a little faith in this shit because I seen how niggas was engaging with us. But all in all, y'all niggas kind of gave me my faith back because I know, you know, for every few people out there that's preaching this politics but not, leave, not living it, you know, it is a couple of folks that's trying to live that shit, you know, through and through. So I appreciate y'all for real.
2: We got you, or at least, I, at least I do. I know Melissa is a consultant. <laughs> so, <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> but, but, I, but I do name that right because, like, the 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 reality is, is like, you hired somebody, right? Because, like, you do want to do this stuff, right? Right? And like, I'm I'm your friend, and for the whole process up until the statement, right? I was the facilitator, and you know I got you, um, because like, thing is, I. <laughs> The, the last thing I want is more cis men in my life. I don't need any more. Don't <laughs> come to me. Like that being said, like y'all are in my life and I love you, right? And if you're gonna be in my life, we're gonna do it right, right? Like That's I, you know, like I, I don't really want. Like it's it's great when cis men are actually being held accountable by themselves, by community, and all that. Um, but that being said. I You know, I don't. I don't need more. So um, so the fact that the fact that like people know my politics, you know what I mean, like including Blake and Melissa. So the fact that like I'm a part of this also speaks to like the fact that I do believe in you know, like we can't throw y'all away. Like there's too there's too many of y'all. Like logistically, that shit don't even work. Like what do we?
3: Um. There ain't a trash bag big enough. (laughs) No. No, truly. They keep trying. They keep trying.
1: Hey, uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, again, niggas can't say this enough i super grateful And, you know I'm going to keep learning from all y'all And hopefully we can keep learning and growing together
0: Yeah, likewise, I appreciate y'all And this was definitely learning for me And, you know Continuing to be accountable To, to myself and to, to the community I think it is very important And just thanks for all the knowledge y'all, y'all shed Especially on restorative justice And what it looks
2: like
3: Thanks for being here, y'all. I mean, really, thanks for not going anywhere. Thanks for being right here in the thick of it.
2: Yes, yes, for real, for real. And my gut is always to be like, well, where, where, where would they or where would I go? But the reality is, is like, you could run. <laughs> you could really, really run. <laughs> so it, it, it means something that like, you know, y'all chose to be here, including Blake, because you got dragged into it, right? Um, without, without your consent, really. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate y'all appreciate you, Melissa, for coming in and doing this work and, and <laughs> doing the work that I have learned firsthand is very difficult work, you know, Ooh. um, very, very difficult
3: work. I mean, I, I feel like we're all going to need a nap in a minute.
0: Definitely.
1: <laughs> I'm drained. Yes. It's like I'm we have been waiting a whole month for this moment right here and it came and I'm like depleted.
0: I'm about to eat some cookies. These cookies have been staring at me the whole time. I was a little bit quiet. I'm like, all right, do I want to open this cookie? Bag?
3: <laughs> you put us all on mute. You're like, chomp, chomp. Thank you, chomp. Yeah, but and and let's just say this. Um, you know, let's keep having let's keep having conversations. Let's keep being open. Um, I know we had, you know, we brought some levity to today, and we also, you know, brought some some deep, some deep, deep realness. And, you know, it's not the end. And um, so let's just let's just always try to remember that we want to be in conversation with each other and then community with each other.
1: Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. appreciate y'all. Talk to y'all soon. Hey, peace. Peace. All right. Thank y'all. Peace, y'all.